0: Hello, teachers, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you. And, you know, as we start this episode, I just want to acknowledge the fact that quite obviously our educational landscape has changed drastically in a week, in a week and a half. And who knows, you know, what the future holds. I know a lot of us don't even know if we're going to be going back at all this year our governor had announced that it's possible our schools will not be going back in California at all for the rest of the school year. So I know it's a time of, of deep uncertainty and fear and stress and anxiety. And one thing that I I love hearing from one of my mentors is he always says, whenever there is a problem, there is always a solution, right? We live in a world of contrasts of binaries. And so with these intense problems and and issues and and major struggles that we're facing as a society as a global community there are solutions and so where there is fear there's strength where there is uncertainty there is going to be certainty and so I urge you to look for the opposite of what you're experiencing If you're going through fear or uncertainty look for that strength look for that uncertainty where is that and acknowledge it and lean into that more and so that's really why we decided to air this particular interview on this particular day because my friend David Rickert, who's on the podcast this, this, this episode, this, uh, this week, he is just a light of creativity, of, of brilliance, of just being. And I am so excited to be able to share this episode with you Although we might not necessarily be going back to our classrooms to be able to take these ideas with us in person, if you're doing something online, or if you're sending something home, or if you're communicating with parents, whatever your current situation is, maybe there will be something in here that will spark that idea, that will spark that creativity, that will inspire that for you. And so I have to say before we record this, or before we start this episode, rather, this is one of my favorite episodes that we have ever recorded i just love david's outlook on life i love what he shares with us and i think there's so much to be gained from his message and from what he shares and i also want to just say that this episode was recorded weeks and weeks ago before we even knew what was really happening with the the pandemic it wasn't even a pandemic at that time it wasn't even really on our radar in the United States when it was recorded. So just know that, have that in the back of your mind as you are listening, that we do talk about things we could take back to the classroom tomorrow. And we know obviously that's most likely not gonna be the case. So I'm really excited for you guys to be able to listen to this, maybe have some semblance of normalcy in your life as you listen to this episode on a Tuesday morning, wherever you may be at your home, maybe driving to the grocery store, Obviously, life looks very different now. So let's go ahead. Let's meet David. Let's meet my friend. Let's hear his message and enjoy what he has to say. Wishing you all the best. Stay safe and healthy. Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. I am here with my good friend, David Rickert, to talk with you guys all about creative and engaging ways to just up-level your lessons in your classroom. So welcome. Hello, everyone. We're so excited to have you. You are, we were saying this before we recorded, you are our first man on the podcast.
1: I, I don't know quite how to feel about that. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I'm, I feel fortunate or blessed or honored or something like that.
0: Um, so what I wanted to start with is, um, just talking about like who you are, where, you know, this background about creativity comes from, like, why are you the person to be speaking about this particular topic?
1: Okay, well, let's, um, cover the professional stuff first. Um, I have been an English teacher for 24 years. Um, I started off in middle school, did a few years there and then, um, had the opportunity to move up to high school and I've been there for 21 years. Um. And I have taught quite a bit of different things um, along the way. Um, currently, I teach. I, I usually teach either freshmen or sophomores. And then I'm kind of locked into teaching um, upper level seniors um, because I teach this dual enrollment course. Um, and I'm one of the only people that can teach it. So I'm kind of locked into that. So I'm in a, um, a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, um, in a school that has about 1,200 students. Um, so, so we've got a pretty large English department there. Um, but yeah, I, I love uh, I love my students. I love where I work, and um, if you have those two things, then not really much else matters, I guess. You know, so I always enjoy being there. So I, you always laugh every day. So it's always been nice to to have that be, you know, the, the, the work environment that I go into. So um, in terms of creativity, um, I've always been a creative person. Um, when I was in high school, there was uh, school. I was you know I was a good student, but there was school, and then I went home and did all the stuff that school did not permit me to do. Um, like draw and play guitar and all the things that I much would have much rather been doing. Um, and that's just kind of been the way that I've oriented my life um, around that. Um, I almost went into, before I went into education, I was thinking about going into music school until I realized I didn't really have much musical talent, at least not enough to do anything <laughs> beyond playing in bars or something like that. Um, and then I was going to go into some sort of um, artistic career, and then I kind of chickened out because it didn't seem all that lucrative. Um, so that's been, um, so what I've essentially done is I, I, um, got, uh, a teaching job and then kind of put the art stuff on hold. Um, but when I was at Ohio state getting my degree, I had a, um, a comic strip that ran in the paper there. Um, and I just loved the kind of the deadline and the creative aspect of that and and how much fun that was. Um, and once I was in the, in the classroom, I started to get back into that. Um, and so like my side gig to kind of widen my classroom, I guess is what I would say is um, I create comics that teach um, somewhat difficult concepts for students in the ELA world. So grammar, um, uh, things like misplaced modifiers, Shakespeare, poetry, that kind of stuff. And so that's been what has fueled my creativity outside of the classroom. So I spend my time teaching during the day and then coming home and working on that stuff at night.
0: That is such a great story. I love hearing about your history and kind of the progress over the years of how things have evolved. And I think that's so interesting about just being a teacher, how much of who we are impacts what we're doing in our classroom, you know, that you're able to bring your passions and the things that you love and adapt that and tailor that to work in an English classroom. You know, um, I'm I'm an athlete. I played basketball and softball and I always bring sports into our conversations and what we're talking about in the classroom because it's something that, you know, is a big passion of mine. So I yeah. love that you do that with with your creativity.
1: It's also turned me into a lifelong learner because as I've started off and, you know, anybody can have pencil and paper to draw, but then as I've gotten more advanced, I've been learning how to use um, programs and working digitally and things like that. So there's always something new to learn with that. And that, has been rewarding as well.
0: Yeah, and I just want to sing your praises. If <laughs> if you guys are listening and you haven't ever seen any of David's work, it is amazing. Like, you are such a talented artist. Well, thank you. I Just everyone, you need to go to his blog, davidrickert.com. I'll actually include it in the show notes so people can just click on it and head over there um, and just check out some of your work because every time you post something on Instagram, I'm just like, holy cow, like, you just blow me away.
1: Yeah, that's another place. Instagram, I have devoted almost – I was doing some teaching stuff with it, but now it's almost exclusively like an art thing. So I'm always just posting pictures of stuff. So you can see works in progress, some (laughs) videos of me Working and drawing and things and so if that's your thing go check it out.
0: Yeah, I just think that's so cool Um, so with that being said let's move into talking about creativity in the classroom And so I would love for you to talk into you know This first point before we get started of making the argument for why creativity in the classroom is important Why is it something we should even be talking about on a podcast episode?
1: So, um, one of the things I noticed with my own children, um, when they were really young is, um, that was a like doing something creative was a way that they really learned. Um, so my son, for instance, would, um, if he was interested in something like the Titanic, um, he would build a Titanic out of paper. Um, that was kind of his thing. So that's how he would like understand, you know, the boat or whatever that he was building. And, uh, my daughter too, um, was always wanting to create content. So Um, If she had a friend over, all you'd have to do is give them an iPad and they'd amuse themselves for three hours making like a little trailer of their lives or something like that. Some like fictional story that they would create. Um, And, you know, I think we all know that if you ask a a room full of first graders, how many of them are artists, they'll all raise their hand. And if you ask the same question to my seniors, none of them will raise their hand. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. They become self-conscious. They become a lot more um, critical of their own work. Um, But I think a lot of it is because we don't do it. A lot in the upper grades because we feel like that's, you know, we're, it's time for serious stuff. It's not time for, um, you know, for arts and crafts. And, you know, I think even in, in middle school on up, we're so used to having tests, we're used to standards and things like that. And creativity isn't really measured by those. So it always falls by the wayside. Um, but there's a lot of good reasons to include creativity in your classroom. Um, I think the number one reason is that um, creativity is very needed in our society. We need creative solutions to problems. We don't necessarily need just people that are good workers. We need people that are good thinkers. And your brain doesn't really care if you're being creative, uh, creating artwork or creating a solution to, you know, environmental issues or finding a cure for cancer or something like that. It all works the same way. Um, and the other thing that I've noticed too is I, I think what happens is we have students doing things creative to demonstrate their knowledge. It's almost like, the right brain gets active. And then I think the left brain is kind of like, wait a second, I want in on this, this is a lot of fun. And then so you actually get to activate both sides of the brain a little bit more than you would, you know, if you're just writing an essay, you know, for instance, so you could instead of doing like a short story, I think is inherently kind of fun. Um, but it can involve the same types of skills in kind of a sneaky way. Um, and you get to bring those the, the left brain analytical side into what's a more creative task and, and you get to, to learn more that way.
0: I just love that. I mean, everything you're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, this is so good. And I want to relate it to something. I was just at Social Media Marketing World last Mm -hmm. week, and we listened to the head of innovation for Disney speak. Mm -hmm. And he was talking, obviously, about creativity. And he asked the question, you know, how many of you in here would consider yourself creative? Raise your hand. And about 30% of the audience raised their hand and he goes let me ask you another question how many of you were children ever in your life <laughs> and everyone you know starts to get the concept that yeah. we were all creative at one point you know we all had that imagination and that ability to think outside the box and look at things differently and then somehow it it starts to go away slowly and we start to like self identify as well i'm not creative and then you put yourself in this box and you aren't able to move outside that box and what you're saying is so important about you know not just you know drawing but being able to look at things and issues in a creative way you know how do we solve this solution not in black and white but maybe in this very you know different way that we wouldn't have considered had we not been practicing or activating like that side of our brain and so i just think that's so good and so true
1: yeah i think the other thing too is when we when we ask people whether they're creative or not i think we have a very narrow definition of it so we we tend to think of getting the crayons out and drawing and people say all oh, we can draw is stick figures. But if we think about creative in terms of like actually just making things, um, then we start to think about a lot of the things that the students are doing. A lot of students would like to be um, YouTube YouTubers. <laughs> um, and that's creative in a different way. Um, but you are actually creating content and it requires creativity to be able to do that. Um, so th- there's other, I think a lot of kids are, are creative. Um, they may not be doing like art or music or something like that, but they are actually making things that they're putting out there for the world to consume.
0: Yeah. Gosh, it's so good. This is such a great conversation. I love this. We could talk about this all day. We could, yeah. (laughs) So then I would love to know, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm a teacher, listening to this podcast episode, and you've convinced me. I'm like, yep, okay, need to bring creativity in my classroom. I'm Mm -hmm. on board. Well, now how do I do that while still keeping my lessons rigorous, rigorous, Um, you know, hitting the standards, helping my students master all the standards that I have to hit as an English teacher, how do I bring that creativity in, in a way that complements that?
1: Okay. So the the first thing I do want to mention is that it is possible. I think, I think a lot of times we, we treat creativity as like an either or thing. Mm -hmm. Like we're either teaching or we're doing something creative. Um, And it doesn't, it can be that. I mean, there's certainly creative things that you can do that are just kind of fun. Um, And there's a place for that. But you can also make sure that you are reaching the standards and doing something meaningful with those. So I would say the first place to start is the standards. Um, And if you look at the standards, you'll notice that um, most of them do not indicate that you need to be assessing them in a certain way. Okay, so yes, we know that we want our students to write essays and be able to write paragraphs and things like that. But there are other ways that we can measure specific skills, such as an understanding of theme, by not doing that. Um, And maybe that will be a better way for a student to demonstrate that they understand the concept of theme than to write. Um, So one of the things that you can do, um, one of my favorite things to do, like, so if you are, um, if you have students reading a book and you want to make sure that they have read a chapter summary, or a specific chapter or something like that, um, you could have them do a summary. But one of the things that I like to do is have them write a poem. Um, and that's kind of fun because um, What I'd like to do is give them something that's really structured like a, a Japanese form of poetry called a sijo mm-hmm. I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. um, But anyway, it's like really structured It's kind of like a haiku and it forces them to kind of use language in an efficient way Okay, so I'm going to take this this chapter um, And I have to do a line with 14 syllables a line with 16 syllables and a line with 14 syllables after that So I have to think really critically about what's in that chapter to do that Um, So it's just kind of a fun way to, to respond a little bit differently. So you're not constantly doing quizzes. You're not constantly doing, you know, it's a different type of exit than what people normally do, I think. I love that
0: too. I want to add to that. I love that idea also because for some students it, it is going to provide them that structure that they need, right? Because mm-hmm. they might not necessarily be able to just sit down and write a poem like some students yeah. can. But if right. they have those syllables that they have to meet, it gets them to think about it in a way that's at least semi-structured for someone who needs that
1: type. Yeah. Of- it, it doesn't seem like a poem. It doesn't seem like it's really, like I think a lot of with, with poetry, they feel like it's a little too emotional. That can be mm-hmm. frightening for kids. Mm-hmm. So this gives them a chance to do it that's a little bit more um, approachable. That's I also cool. like the other thing that I like to to harness is that being creative is and not like it's inherently kind of relaxing to do. So I know that this doesn't really apply to the standards. But um, one of the things that I like to do is uh, with my students, if they get done with a quiz, um, you know, and they're waiting for other people to finish up, they'll automatically go to their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you can do is give them um, a like some coloring pages like up in the front of the classroom or have them give give them a task like they have to draw a self-portrait of themselves without picking up their pencil, like those little tasks. And then maybe you have a little contest where you can judge who did the best job with that. Um, And, you know, their lives are so stressful anyway. um, And that type of stuff tends to relax them. Um, And so that's another reason to bring it in. To the classroom in just small ways like that is to do that so um, yeah and
0: i i th- that's a great point because coloring in my opinion is not a waste of instructional time especially if you have those yeah. fi- you know those five minutes where they finish an assignment we're waiting for other people to finish they've got to be doing something you know some mm-hmm. students might want to read but some students might want that brain space to not really be like have their brain on in that way yeah. you know i like to think of it as like when i'm working out or when i'm taking a shower when i don't have things distracting me I'm able to open my mind to other possibilities and other ways of thinking that I wouldn't yeah. have had I not given myself that space to do so.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that have done some interesting work with coloring pages for particular books as well. Mm-hmm. So if you search for like, um, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird coloring pages, you'll find some stuff. Right. And
0: Something that's sure relevant that, that connects. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, The other thing that I've seen that I've had good success with is sketch notes. And I think if you're on Instagram following teachers, you've probably seen this pop up from time to time. Um, and it's a visual note taking, um, system. And, um, studies have shown that if students are drawing along with the notes that they're taking, it's a really good way to encode things in their brain. Um, sorry about that. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what that was. Um, so anyway, um, the, um, So the the trick with those is, um, you know, that they have to not turn it into like a comic strip, but it's like visually organizing data and doing things like that. Um, So the, um, so the, the idea for the, well, I tried this out one time when I was teaching um, Frankenstein and I was like, well, I'm going to show these kids how to do this. So I did my own sketch notes for chapter two and three so that I could have them as like an example. Um, And. You know, it's funny because I, I only taught this book one time and I haven't taught it since, but I know exactly what happens in chapter <laughs> two and three because I drew it. Yeah. And I made this, like detailed, you know, sketch note thing. It didn't really take me a whole lot of time, but I had to think visually of how to yes, do Yes. That. So, that is um,
0: so true.
1: Yeah. So I talk about sketch notes on my blog um, and there's also a lot of other people out there that talk about how to do that and make that work as an instructional strategy.
0: Yeah. So, that's awesome. Thank you yeah. for that. So do you have more? Do you want me to go into the next thing?
1: Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple other things that I, that I talk about. Um, you know, uh, Canva has been a great resource yeah. for, um, like, doing infographics and, like, like finding easy ways to, like, organize information. Um, so, you know, you can give them, um, you know, a book and, and say that, you, you know, you want to investigate the theme of friendship in a book, for instance, and have them create an infographic with that. Um, and Canva has only gotten better since I started doing that. I mean, it used to be a little clunky, and now – um, the kids, it's really very user friendly. They've got lots of good templates that people can use. And so um, it, it's another way that, that gets them thinking about how to organize things in a way that um, is, is really meaningful. It's really creative. They come up with stuff that looks good. Um, and, you know, I think they have a lot of fun doing it. They, they don't, the time seems to pass quickly in class when they're doing something like that. The bell the yeah. bell. <laughs>
0: And they'll be like, no, I'm not done. Please don't make me leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly.
1: laughs> That's so, when you know you've
0: got them. Yes. Yeah. Canva is a great tool. And you know, I hadn't ever thought to use it in the classroom, but I love that idea. And yeah. so for, for those of you listening who are like, I don't know what that is. It's called, it's Canva and it's c a n v a dot Um, and I think you can set up free accounts. Can't you, yeah, I have you a paid can. version, yeah. but yeah, you can set up a free account. Um, and it, it, just go check it out. It has, you know, images to create for social media, but like David is saying to definitely create infographics in a really easy way where students can organize that data visually. I love that idea.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of Canva, another thing that I do with my students that would be really fun, um, for, you know, any, any teacher to do is I, I'll have them do a social media campaign for, um, Walt Whitman. And what they'll do is they'll pick a company and then pick one of the lines of his poetry. And then, um, they'll you build a social media campaign around that. Um, so they're using his poetry. They're making a case for why Walt Whitman would represent um, Chacos, for instance, um, or Vans and, and doing that. Um, but another thing you could do would be to create a social media campaign for like a particular author or a particular book or something like that. And then you use those, the templates that they have for Instagram posts and things like that. Um, and, you know, they know what a good Instagram post looks like
0: because they see
1: them all the time. So they're using some of the, the skills of something that they're, that's native to them, um, to create content as well. I um, love so that's, that. It's always been, been good. Th- those have always turned out really well for me.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. And, you know, there are so many skills that go into creating a social media campaign yeah. because you're thinking now about marketing, you know, your copy that you're using, the messaging that you're putting into it. So you're really thinking about your words and the words that you're using and being strategic in that. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I love that idea.
1: It's a good way to include persuasive writing so you yes. can persuasive standards because a lot of times we're like, yeah, you have to have an authentic audience, but then you're like, well, pretend and write a letter to like, um, I don't know, the mayor or something like that <laughs> to change something. And I always felt like it never quite worked, but this is one where it really does work because you are thinking, okay, here's a company. We have them research the, like the mission for the company and the about me. Um, and then they have to bring that and, and then kind of wrap it up into a are pers- they're, they're essentially selling, this concept for an ad to this particular company. So um, cool. It's, always, it's, it's cool. And the kids are always interested to see what people came up with.
0: I'm sure. I mean, the, so many real world, real world skills. That is such yeah. a great one. I love I mean, that. You can, Thank you. You,
1: you do that for a living. You know, that's
0: totally, that's their job. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Like, yeah. So that social media stuff, I mean, could lead to something pretty big.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is cool. Very cool. Um, okay. So let's go into Kind of your last point that you wanted to discuss on okay. the podcast so thank you for sharing those ideas those are yeah. phenomenal and hopefully those of you listening are like you know thinking getting your wheels turning about things you can start using in your classroom i'm going to include the blog post that david put together for us as well that has this all kind of really listed out i mean you put yeah. everything in there so that's perfect i'll include that it's in also, the
1: show if you go to the blog you can join my um email list as well um, and then I'm, I'm always sending stuff out that I use in the classroom, but it's also a good way. Like if you have anything that you used and you're like, Oh, this worked really well. And then, you know, you can send it to me and then I can read it and then blog about that too. So totally. it's very interactive. Very, yes.
0: Interactive. I love it. Very cool. Awesome. Um, okay. So then the last thing that you wanted to talk about is really why it's important to have students creating instead mm-hmm. of just learning. And I, I think obviously that's hugely important. And so I'm very curious to see your opinion on this.
1: Yeah. So, um, this came from the work of John Spencer. I was reading his stuff about design thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people know about, um, and, um, I started to think, uh, over the summer, um, one time about like, okay, what would happen if I let kids design their own assessments for a book that they're reading? Um, and I actually contacted John and said, Hey, what do you, do you have any, anybody that's really doing this? And he said, um, not really in that way, so I'd be kind of interested to see what you came up with. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm on my own. <laughs> um, and so, um, so yeah, it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, you guys get to figure out how you're going to assess yourselves, and you can do anything that you want. Um, and it was a chance for them to bring in their um, like their interests into the classroom. Um, so we had some people, you know, if you're like a a dancer, you know, you have your dance world outside, and then you have school. Um, And here's an opportunity to bring it into the classroom. Um, So for one project, I actually did have somebody do an interpretive dance. It was, you know, we always joke about that, but somebody actually literally did that.
0: I love Um,
1: that. Yeah. And so I had a student that um, plays piano um, and um, came up with songs that went along with Huck Finn and on his journey. Um, And so they were songs that matched up to it, but she had to learn how to play them. Um, so not only did she have to learn how to play them, but she had to like learn how to embed video into a website so that she could, so that she could, you could do that. So, um, so I think what we have is we have a lot of students out there that have talents that they're not allowed to, to bring to the classroom and it gives them the opportunity to kind of learn twice. So they're, they're using something that they know how to do in the classroom and then also, um, hopefully enhancing their learning about whatever their interests are outside of school, because they might have to learn something different in order to do that as well. Um, I also like to give them the opportunity to kind of like, oh, I always wanted to do that. So I'm going to figure out how to how to how to do those kinds of things. So I've had some students that have always been interested in like those little like the little animated My Life videos Mm -hmm. um, that you can see. So they'll do something with that or kind of like that Um, or um, just learn how to kind of use a program. I mean, there's, there, if you, if you let kids choose how they are assessed, um, you'll be amazed at what they'll come up with. Um, you just, and, and it's the, it's the, like, if you're a control freak, kind of like I am, it's Same. the scariest <laughs> thing in the world that you could do. Um, but you just have to trust it and you can't give them models for things and say, oh, I'm looking for, cause that's all you'll get. Like if you show them like a video, they'll be like, "Okay, you'll get fifty videos that are exactly like that. So you have to be kind of like, "Okay, I'll, I'll be kind of curious to see what you come up with. Like I don't have any ideas. I was like, "Okay, well, keep thinking." Um, <laughs> and so the big thing with that one, though, is if you're going to do that, um, you have to make sure that you force them to pick a model. Um, so if they want to create a video, you, they can't just say, "I want to create a video. You have to say you have to have them say, "I want to create a video like this." Mm-hmm. And then they'll show you like a YouTube video that is like what they want to create. And that gives them like a bar to set. And that's really important with like creative work is that, you know, anybody can crank something out, but you got to have like a standard by which you're going to judge yourself. Um, So you have to kind of have something to shoot for. Um, You know, most YouTubers, they've done maybe 400 videos or whatever. And so this will be their first one, and it won't be as good as it could be. Um, But they're still on the process to kind of like, like looking at something and then setting their own criteria for what it should be and what that should look like. So, um, so it's, it's really cool. And and I love to talk to kids and watch the process as they problem solve their way to coming up with, with something like that. And the fun thing about that too, is you don't have to wait until the end because they can start thinking about video stuff and what they need to do for that. Like, like in the middle of the book. So, um, you know, most of the time we're working on creative projects all along the way and we have like, you know, the academic days and then the project working on days. It's very much the design or the genius hour kind of thing Uh kind of model. Um, and then, you know, by the time that we get to the day that the project is due, like pretty much like everybody's done. Yeah. Because they've been working on it for so long that many of them have it done long before then. So
0: that is so good. I love that so much
1: (laughs) track of everything, but it's, it's really cool. And And a lot of the students say that, that like, that's their, like, that's their favorite thing that they've done yeah. they learned so much from it because they had to be really strategic about it. Um, so, and you that, know, a lot yeah. of my work is that way too. Like I have to think, right. About, okay, Romeo and Juliet. Okay. How do I represent this in a way that makes sense and, and is not going to have a bunch of English teachers saying, no, that's completely wrong. <laughs> that didn't happen.
0: That is such a cool idea. And I just love, you know, so much student ownership in it. Yeah. That it make, I mean, I know at least for me, when I come up with an idea and a project that I want to do, like I want to do the best that I possibly can Mm -hmm. because that's my baby. You know, that's my idea that I created. And so to have students be able to like really step into that, you know, we talk, Jessica and I talk a lot about student choice and we have a lot of opportunities for student choice, but this is really taking it to just a whole other level, you know, really leaning into their strengths and what their interests are.
1: Yeah, and and we all know the power I think of bringing in student. And we're always told to do that. Ask the kids how their weekend is. You know, mm-hmm. what are they interested in? They fill out that sheet at the beginning of the of the school year that says what they're into. Um, but this actually gives them the opportunity to bring that stuff in into the classroom and and you know show people what they can do with that. Yeah,
0: and for them to see you know the skills that are specific to me and the interests that are specific yeah. to me, what I can do with my talents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's just
0: cool. so cool. Um, I just love another, that.
1: Yeah, one of the things that you have to do is like they have to kind of develop their own rubrics as well because you can't assess right. a dance the same way that you can a podcast. Um, so that's kind of one of the things is they have to determine what quality work would be. So you know, in terms of like a dance, how do I know how do you, how does this person know that they've achieved what they wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to kind of develop their own criteria for that. Um, but I, I, you know, it's worth mentioning that you're always going back to the standards. So I always pick out like two or three standards and say you have to demonstrate these standards that's weighted the heavily and how they get there it doesn't really matter whatever they want to do is fine Um, as long as it they demonstrate understanding of those standards i don't really care what they do
0: fantastic i mean this is this is this might be and no offense to anyone else but this might be one of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded. Like you just have all of these ideas going on in my head. I can yeah. only imagine our teachers who are listening. I hope you guys are like, okay, how can I incorporate this? What yeah. am I going to do? Like ideas are just being sparked. I just love it so much. Thank yeah. you.
1: Like I said, it's, it's hard. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for having <laughs> me. Um, and I think it, it, it is really hard because you can get into the trap of saying, okay, if I'm not doing an essay, you know, our, are the administrators going to come in and say, what are you doing? Like what, Mm -hmm. what what is going, what is this fun stuff that's going on? (laughs) Um, But you have to just kind of like find ways to build that in. Um, Fridays are usually a good time for it because um, you know, a lot of my sophomores, for instance, Fridays are kind of difficult to do anything that's really rigorous (laughs) and strenuous, especially after lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a good time to kind of let them cut loose a little bit and do something like that. Yeah. or the day before spring break. Like I found, um, right. yeah. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do to occupy their time? And I found this like coloring page of may from um, to kill a mockingbird. Uh-huh. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> so they'll learn about the town and then they get to color and, you know, do that kind of thing. And that'll yeah. hopefully keep them occupied. Yeah.
0: And I, I think it's important to, I mean, it sounds like you are like, I'm a little bit of an envelope pusher. You know, if you don't want me to do something, I'm going to find a way to try to do that anyways, in spite of, you know, what you told me to do. And so I think that, you know, wherever we can to kind of push the envelope a little bit with what we're doing in our classrooms in terms Mm -hmm. of it doesn't always have to be and it shouldn't always be worksheets, memorization, state testing standards, and unfortunately… You know, there are so many pressures that we have that lead us to feel that way. Um, But wherever we can to kind of just push the boundaries a little bit to get our kids doing something a little bit different, it's going to have a huge impact.
1: And I I think a lot of it, as you talk about the tests and stuff, like one of the ways you can learn about short stories and poetry and literature is to write it yourself Mm -hmm. and, and use that stuff as models and say, okay, this is what this person is doing. Can I imitate that? I mean, model sentences are, you know, really helpful. Yeah, for helping kids create things, and, and you can have a poem, you know, have a poem and have them write um, a poem in response to that poem. Okay, so you have a speaker or whatever, and then you have that person, you know, another person respond to that, and they'll they'll tend to learn a lot about poetry from doing that because if you have them imitate something, they're going to be paying attention to meter and rhyme scheme and you know those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So um, so there's there's lots of opportunities to learn just by letting kids make things.
0: So cool. I love it. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. (laughs) So now at the very end, I have my five quick fire questions that I ask everybody. Um, so it's just the first thing that comes
1: to your mind. Okay.
0: Okay. So if you could travel anywhere, where would it be?
1: Um, Jerusalem.
0: Very interesting. Why?
1: Um, I don't know. I've always wanted to go over there and see, I I just watched a documentary on the Holy land and I thought, uh, cool stuff to see over there. Yeah. Uh, other that, either that or I would go to a third world country, um, and I figured that that would be worth my. time. Assuming that you're paying for this,
0: um, <laughs> yes. Let me, uh, let me put the. <laughs> no, uh,
1: I probably would go just because I figured I'd be a better person. Um, yeah. Came back from there, so. Yeah,
0: I love that answer. That is a great answer. Um, what is your favorite month of the year?
1: I would say s- probably either September or October.
0: You're a fall person.
1: Yeah. um, And and what I like about fall, I like the weather, um, but I like the newness of it um, because you get the kids and it's everything's new. You're energetic about it. They haven't driven you crazy yet. (laughs) Um, So that's, it's kind of a, a new season. Everything is just kind of fun. Those first couple months of school seem to always go really well. Yeah. So it'd be right around that, that time. That
0: time. Yeah. So, a lot of our teachers who I've asked that question have said one of those fall months. So I think that's interesting because yeah. I hate I mean, fall. I've
1: never not had like a spring break or like a summer off. Like it's, it's right. never autumn, you know, so I've always been on that academic schedule. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite lunch item?
1: Um, geez. Uh, that's a good question. I would say, um, a lot of times i I, was, I don't know if this is my favorite, but it is a standby. I always bring carrots most carrots. of my lunches. So, <laughs> just I like, mean,
0: just that, carrots. Well,
1: n- n- not, I mean, that's always like a side, you know, <laughs> I bring it in. I tend to vary what I eat fairly often, but that's always like my guilty, like I need to be eating vegetables. So i yes. always so definitely. A, it's a nutritional requirement. Yes. So like my favorite, but it's what I always end up bringing.
0: Nice, I like that. Um, I feel like what is kind
1: of boring responses? Like- no,
0: no, that's good. I mean, I car- <laughs> <laughs> just something you're like carrots. Yeah, it's like <laughs> hilarious. That's good. Um, what is the last book that you read?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, the last book that I read um, was. Um, I feel like I should be able to answer this question. What was mm-hmm. it? Well, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading To Kill a Mockingbird because right. I haven't read that in 15 years. Oh, Um, so you're teaching it again
0: for the first time in a while? I'm teaching
1: it again, and I've not read it for 15 years. Yeah. So I'm I'm in the middle of that um, right now. Um, Gosh, there's another book that I read recently. I I tend to read um, not probably as much as people might think that I do.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat Uh, as well.
1: Yeah, just because I've got kids and, you know, other things that are wearing... You know, bearing down on me, so I feel like that's kind of a lame answer because it's like a school book.
0: But you know what? It's a real answer.
1: You, I'll be like, "That was the book. That I was the book." <laughs> yeah, because that not yeah. only was true, but it would have impressed people if I said that I read. it.
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting about the fact that you're reading To Kill Mockingbird 15 years later? I've read um, Catcher in the Rye at like various stages in my life. So yeah. I read it in eighth grade. I read it in high school. I read it in college, and then I read it as a teacher. And every time, my opinion of. The story has changed, and how I feel about Holden has changed, and like how your experiences in life influence how you perceive and read things. It's fascinating. So, side note. Um, Okay, last question: If you weren't a teacher, what would you do?
1: Oh, easy. That would be I'd be an an illustrator of some kind. Very Um, cool. Yeah. Do actually one of my goals, um, and I guess it's never too late. um, Was when I was growing up, I always wanted to work for Disney, Um, and that still is kind of like a dream in the back of my mind that I. Like I like I want to I want to have worked for Disney more than I want to work for Disney <laughs> yes. in some capacity, if that makes sense. Like I'd like yeah. to be like, Yeah, I did that once. But Well,
0: you never know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh that it could happen, but it's anything
0: one of the- is possible, right? Yeah.
1: So um so so something a little bit kind of designy would be a lot of fun. Um,
0: yeah. So
1: yeah, like being a, a an illustrator or or more more I think more like um just creating my own content, being somebody mm-hmm. like the like the bone novels, Jeff Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, like like being like him or um the guy that does the amulet series. I can't remember what his name is. Or um um gosh, uh Terry Libinson who does the that series. Um and who's the other one? Raina Telgemeier who does smile?
0: <laughs> you are saying names that yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel yeah. so out of touch. You the
1: smile books, like the the graphic novels.
0: Like, oh yes, yes, yeah, yes, I yes, like yes. Like doing doing yes. stuff
1: like that for kids. Like I was never into like the adult comics. I was yeah. it more fun to do stuff. Like that's what I like to do is make kids like laugh. Like I'm, I'm hoping that they're as entertained by things as I am because I'll come up with these things. So I was like, that's really kind of funny, and then I'm hoping that
0: that they laugh I'm, on I mean, it at a, on the other end. Find <laughs> that same
1: kind of humor <laughs> as well. So um, yeah, that's probably what I would do.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much, David. I just appreciate your insight, your knowledge, your ability to get all of us thinking differently and thinking creatively and how we can bring more of that into our classrooms for our kids. So thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: As always, it's fun to talk to you. So um, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. All right, you guys. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you have some great takeaways, that you are inspired, and that you just loved that as much as I did. It was so much fun to record with David. So like I said in the episode, I will include all of the links to his blog, to his Instagram in the show notes so that you can go ahead and start following him over there and just start being inspired by his great ideas and his creativity. Okay, you guys have a wonderful week and I will see you next week on the podcast.